got sad and lonely And all I gotta do is act naturally Well, I'll bet you I'm gonna be a big star Might win an Oscar, you can't Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies, No Old T. Manning the Second here, right here on C19 TV and uh, WG, WG.org if you choose to listen to the radio version or the podcast version. If you don't want to see our faces, that would actually be the way to go, but we really want you to watch our faces uh, unless Greg decides to cover it up with footage that doesn't even connect to movies that we're talking about. Thomas Manning, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing all right. Happy to be here as always. Uh, yeah. Not not always yeah. having to be here with you, but just happy to be here in general. So, oh, you know, such a nice yeah. and loving guy. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I absolutely. truly appreciate you. Uh, you know, we had quite a few things on our list last week that we never got to, uh, including the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and uh, Greg Tillman is known to be a lover of everything. Schneider, is that oh, correct? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that is right on the money. I think uh, he's like, he runs the Zack Snyder fan page, you know, Greg yeah. Tillman. Yeah, yeah, Greg Tillman has not been a fan of anything. I don't, I don't think he's liked anything that Zack Snyder has ever done. Uh, so uh, I'm sure that he has not watched the 28-hour uh, um, Schneider cut of the Justice League. Nope. Now, when the original Justice League came out and – uh, Schneider had to take a break from it because of uh, you know, family death. And uh, Joss Whedon stepped in, and, and Whedon had this long record of success in, in television and had done some things in film. But taking over, I remember going to see the theatrical cut of the Justice League and just kind of walked away going, what did I just see? It just, it just, didn't work on so many different levels and I kept trying to figure out what went wrong and there were quite a few things that went wrong uh, in that that version and uh, it wasn't long after that I saw Thor Ragnarok and I realized okay this is what Justice League could have been. Fast forward Schneider got a chance to to go back and, and bring his version to life uh, thanks to uh, to HBO Max and uh, you know, we are getting to see a four hour plus version uh, of what he wanted to see. And uh, we'll get you to give us a little background on story storyline, what you want to share, because there's a lot to share. So decide what you want to share, and then we can kind of dive into what our thoughts are, uh, critical thoughts on this film. Yeah, so the whole question of what is canon and what's not canon within the DC Extended Universe, it's, I don't think even the execs and Warner Brothers know um and so i think you kind of just pick and choose what you want to watch what you want to appreciate and what you want to connect together um and i am very glad that we do have the snyder cut to to um kind of just take in and absorb um you have you know ben affleck as batman you have henry cavill as superman gal gal gadot gal gadot as wonder woman however you pronounce it there's the verdict still out it is it is everybody it depends on who you talk to i like gadot because that sounds like i'm high class yeah, there you go. You know, <laughs> Ezra Miller as The Flash, Ray Fisher as Cyborg, and then uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And they're all in their various pockets of the DC universe. And But Batman Bruce Wayne is tasked with bringing them together after the death of Superman because um, he has this feeling uh, that there's something coming from other worlds out there. Um, 
that the death of Superman has kind of set off a chain reaction and quote rung the bell for for whatever it is out there. And uh, so this um, insane four-hour epic, uh, it's like a Lord of the Rings-style epic, is <laughs> just so much of that um, encapsulated in this sweeping journey of you know heroism and triumph and tragedy and uh, just pretty much everything that you can imagine from a comic book and a graphic novel just thrown into one big package. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right off the bat, one of the first things I wrote down was the sound design and the score. Right off the bat was, wow, uh, Junkie XL, known as Tom Hulkenberg, did this. And there were times I felt like it was a Mad Max Fury Road kind of thing. But other times I was, I was thrown off, especially with the music supervisor's choice of these songs. With lyrics, it was awkward, uh, almost cheesy. You know, when you see the Amazons on screen or the Aqua fans, as I like to call them, these these women who are, you know, singing to Aquaman as he's going out in the ocean. One of them picks up the sweater and smells of it, and I was like, "That's just creepy. That's creepy." So that that was that was a little mixed bag for me. The score, but then the the choice of those songs, a little odd. Did you feel the same way about that? Yeah, and then you have the uh, ancient lamentations that pop up anytime the Wonder Woman is on screen. Um, <laughs> I felt like we could have used some more of those electric guitars that we know so well from her Wonder Woman theme. Uh, yes, I would yes. like some of those more than the uh, kind of Gregorian chant type stuff that we had. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, Junkie XL, incredible composer. Um, and like basically, they were on the soundtrack, there was like three hours and 50 minutes of music. So. Basically, there was a score for the entire movie, um, yes. which could have been a little bit overkill at certain points. Um, but still, like for music nerds and music fans out there, yeah. I know Christian Jessup has a uh, friend of the show has been appreciating this, um, and I'd, you know I'd love to hear some of his thoughts on this as well. But. Yeah, and I did feel you know one thing I'll, I'll say right up front: this did feel like an, a completely new film. And, uh, you know, we, we really got to see some backstories. Uh, I think we, in many ways, this was a cyborg story. Uh, and the others were kind of along for the ride, if you really think about it and look at it. I appreciated that, uh, the, the um, tons of action. Uh, cinematography, I thought, was, was marvelous. I really loved some of the low angles that were chosen. Uh, the CGI still felt a little off to me, especially with Steppenwolf. I think it worked with some of the others, but Steppenwolf better than the other, much yeah, better yeah. than the other, but still not quite there. Yeah. Um, that that was kind of against it for me. Uh, excellent action sequences, as you talked about, you know, you were talking about kind of that Lord of the Rings feel. And at about the one hour mark, there was this flashback of this just epic epic action that almost felt lord of the rings or even in game uh in game bet in game was better but still it was well worth watching uh yeah. loved that i do think that snyder is known for his slow-mos and there were a few too many slow-mos uh in this uh but that that doesn't take away from from the action sequences some wonderful one-liners i think worked throughout and i do think that you got a better sense of the team and how they formed and their character chemistry seemed to work much better in this it felt it didn't feel as forced as, as some uh, we saw in the, the the previous version uh other thoughts before i, I give give some other things. 
Oh yeah, I mean, compared to the two hour Joss Whedon cut with this, with four hours, there's so much more time to sit with the characters and have them rip off of each other and uh, have their personalities develop and for us to connect with them. Um, so I think that really, that extended runtime really played to its benefit as far as that's concerned. Like you mentioned, uh, Cyborg, um, it was Ray Fisher, uh, his performance was phenomenal. Um, and then Ezra Miller, as Flash, those two characters kind of felt like almost the heart of the movie in many, many yes. aspects. Yes. yes. And um, I'm very interested to see what they do with those characters and other projects down the line. Um, going back to the VFX, um, I I agree with I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but also it's important to examine the context um, that so many of these shots were previs, just like. A year ago before Schneider came in and put it all back together and what he was able to do and put together within the past year in the past few months um, it was a lot more refined than I thought it was going to be uh, based on some of the early trailers I was like yeah this is going to be really rough throughout the for throughout most of the runtime but um I was I was pleasantly surprised that uh the uh effects were as finished as they were um you know if it, if this had been an original cut that he'd been able to put out in theaters back in 2017 it probably would have been even better um so it's uh just i i do applaud for what it was able to bring together all things considered i agree and it was much more cohesive than the theatrical version which is crazy to say that because you're talking about a four-hour film and it did not feel bloated to me uh, it did not feel bloated at all uh, if anything um i, I think hbo max could have maybe gotten even more bang for the buck if they had divided this and done it like as a limited series, kind of like what, what we've seen with what Marvel has done with, um, you know, with Vision and Scarlet Witch or, or um, WandaVision, WandaVision <laughs> um, and also uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think this, it, not that it did not work as a four hour movie, but I, I would have loved to have seen it kind of stretched out that way. And it was also divided in chapters so they could have done something uh, like that. Uh, but, you know, uh, I was impressed with it. Uh, I, I'd enjoyed it. I thought the chemistry really felt much more fluid. The character motivations were organic. They didn't feel forced. Uh, it was truly a different film. And uh, not just yeah. because of the runtime, it was a different film, a better story, stronger individual character connections and arcs, and really just a more powerful piece across the board. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did think, one part where they got a little bit greedy was in the epilogue, uh, the last like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. Um, so the epilogue was, there was like a 10 minute portion that was truly an epilogue to the story and wrapping everything up. But then there was like a 20 minute portion after that, that was really just setting things up for the future, setting things up that we may never get from the rest of the Snyderverse. Uh, I think that's just kind of up to Warner Brothers and we'll see how, um, how much they listen to people who are clamoring for it. Um, but that part, um, I mean, I know, I know why Zach put it in there just because he's given the shot. Why not throw everything that he can in there? Because this might yeah, be my yeah, shot, but exactly. uh, it, it did feel, it did feel quite forced. And I think uh, that's been the, uh, the general consensus on that for most people I've talked to. Yeah, I'll agree, I'll agree with you there. That it, there really wasn't um, a need for that, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I know why he did it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's okay. He had the chance to do it. So why not? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What, uh, any other thoughts or you want to go ahead and give your rating for, um, I, I just think it's a really beautiful uh, what this movie has done charitably um, for the uh, American Suicide Prevention Foundation. Um, you know, it was his Zack Snyder's daughter, Autumn, was uh, she she committed suicide back um, 
in like 2017 and that was what um, led him to step away from the project um, and this was really a kind of a therapeutic experience for him um, to go back and um, bring bring this to the table finally and um, that it's this uh, movie so many uh, charity movements and uh, I think it's just a really beautiful thing to uh, recognize you know absolutely and uh, I also want to, to highly recommend uh, if you want to check out the making of this, how it happened. Uh, we, a friend of ours, Sean O'Connell, has a book uh, that uh, explores that. Thomas, you, you've got a copy of that book. What's that book called? Uh, Release the Snyder Cut book. Um, you just look that up on Amazon or any, anywhere where you can find books. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, Greg Tillman, uh, who doesn't like anything relating to Zack Snyder, we just gave you 13 minutes of it. So the first half of the show dedicated to it. But hey, it wasn't four hours. So so there you go. We are going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about the uh, new Michelle Pfeiffer film. I know Greg does love Michelle Pfeiffer, without a doubt. Uh, he, still, uh, he, he still can't get over her as Catwoman. He, he keeps thinking back to that about every chance he gets. So after the break, we'll talk about yeah. that. We'll also talk about Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier, and we'll see what else we get to. What? Uh, do we have, we need to give our grades for Snyder Cut as well. Yes, uh, we do. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What's your grade? Uh, uh, B plus, B plus. I'm right there with you. Yeah, B plus yeah. for that. And I, and I think I gave uh, the original uh, either a C or a C minus. Uh, it, it, I was being very generous. I was being very generous. But you are watching Meet Me the Movies right here on C19 TV. We appreciate you guys spending time with us. Uh, as always, uh, hang around right after this intermission. We'll be back with more. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make the big Yeti Baseball is here. Our players are raring to go and swing for the fences, but Yeti Athletics isn't all that's great about Cleveland Community College. We offer a wide variety of programs for students of all ages. We'll help you train for a new job, gain more skills for a promotion, or get a head start on college credits. We know students learn in different ways. That's why we offer online and in-person classes. CCC, we can help you move forward safely. Visit clevelandcc.edu today and go Yetis. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Jill Nolan, your host for Woman to Woman, a show that is about women and for women. Each month, we feature guests that highlight topics that focus on self-care, health and well-being, and a variety of other topics for women young and well-seasoned here in Cleveland County. Join us each month on Woman to Woman here at C19 TV, a broadcast service of Cleveland Community College. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make the big... Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here with Thomas Manning. And we are talking movies and we're talking... TV. I'll tell you, the thing, Thomas, is that when you talk movies now, you can't not talk about the streaming services and what they provided. And even as we look at what used to be TV series, their streaming series now, 
they have this cinematic quality to them. And so many of them are epic. They are truly epic. So when we say meet me at the movies, it's however you want to uh, define what movies is. It's moving pictures. So there you go. There you go. Uh, there is one that was uh, limited released uh, in theaters back uh, during award season with Michelle Pfeiffer uh, and also Lucas Hedges is called uh, The French Exit. And it's just now getting another limited release uh, in theaters. Uh, French Exit is the name of this based on uh, a book of the same name. And Michelle Pfeiffer plays this self-centered widow who outlives her husband's inheritance. She does this and then she realizes, wow, okay, my life has still got to go on. So how can I do this? So she pretty much sells everything she's got goes to Paris and, and stays in this borrowed apartment. She takes her son along, played by Lucas Hedges, and a, a cat named Small Frank. Um, and, and pretty soon in the movie, we discover that they've all got some very uh, eclectic uh, and eccentric issues. Uh, all of the, everybody's a little, little off. Uh, it truly like works family. though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or the Meet Me the Movie Crew, uh, either yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> but Pfeiffer, she's marvelous. Uh, Hedges is great. Their, their chemistry really works. And there's some quirky supporting characters that really breathe life into this uh, movie as well. It feels authentic. Uh, production design, costume design, timeless. Uh, it's, uh, it's a drama, but it's got this absurdist comedy mixture thrown in. Uh, and when we look at these characters, we all see that they're in search of something. They're in search of themselves, but they're also trying to find themselves while they're in a place that they don't really know where they're headed. Um, I, I really like this. It's not going to be for everyone. It's a little little quirky, a little different. But for me, I, I found it just a, a nice escape, and it was just kind of a snapshot into somebody else's problems and sometimes i think we just need to get away and look at other people's problems and realize wow we don't have it so bad after all so uh the movie is called the french exit uh and a b rating for this and i will say uh, it's one of the best things michelle pfeiffer's done in quite a while she just shines she absolutely shines and so greg i know you're going to check this out but the movie the french exit uh, a b rating well thomas um there's something going on with this guy named Michael Mann. And uh, I, Michael Mann fired me back when I worked with him back in 1991, uh, only to hire me again the next day, even though he didn't know it. Movie was called uh, Last Mohicans. But, uh, but Michael Mann was a madman on the set. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, he was, he was a screamer, a yeller, but he got the job done. He always gets the job done. And, and there's something going on that's an anniversary. And we thought, hey, let's do a take five. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just recently, we had the 40th anniversary of the release of Thief, which was his uh, basically his feature length directorial debut back in 1981. Uh, James Caan in the leading role as this um, like safe, safe cracking expert heist master. And um, this. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll do it. Michael Mann take five here. Uh, some Michael Mann essential. So let's start with Thief. Um, this was one anybody that goes back and looks at this you can see these were the roots of michael mann's just gorgeous cinematography he knows how to shoot um lighting and like rain in a city it's uh it's truly truly beautiful um chicago and la or some of the settings for this one and just it's got that unmistakable just michael mann look to it and um he continued that over the years with other uh, night-based crime thrillers like 
um, like with Heat and Collateral and Miami Vice and Black Hat. He just kind of kept taking that into different cities and different locations and seeing what he can do with his lens to capture something so um, so unique. And um, so Thief is one that really stands out. Um, then I know you mentioned Last of the Mohicans. You have a little bit of experience with that one. So uh, let's let's hear some of your thoughts on Last of the Mohicans. Well, I, I, yeah, I can't not think about this movie whenever I hear the word Michael Mann. I, I spent, um, you know, I spent months working on this film and, and getting to know the people behind the making of this and uh, shot in North Carolina and uh, just a little bit of it was shot in, in, uh, in Tennessee, but most of it was shot in North Carolina. And it showcases the wilderness of and the beauty uh, of, of North Carolina in so many different ways. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis was incredible. Yeah, and Michael Mann had never done anything quite like this before. And, you know, when you compare Thief to Last of the Mohicans, they're, they're such different films, but yet they're both spectacular in their own way. And Last of the Mohicans, absolutely, it's got to be on a take five for Michael Mann. Yeah. Yeah, and like prior to Last of the Mohicans, uh, you had Manhunter, which was Hannibal Lecter, um, serial killer detective thriller. Then you had The Keep, which was really interesting case, um, um, ancient mythology, vampire type deal. Um, so going from Thief to, to Last of the Mohicans with those two sandwiched in between there, it just really goes to show how versatile that uh, Michael Mann is, a, is as a filmmaker. Um, Absolutely. Then, yeah. Um, after Last Mohicans, you got to look at Heat uh, with Pacino and De Niro the first time they'd uh, been on screen together. Um, really one of the greatest crime thrillers of all time. Um, the coffee shop diner scene, the conversation between them, um, just every line of dialogue just kind of cuts like a knife. And um, that's one of the, it's pretty impressive when you have a scene like that, they can be just as you know, visceral and immersive as the bank heist and shootout scene on the highway that you have later on in the film. Yes. Um, one of the most just mind blowing action sequences that you will ever see put a film. Um, the sound design is truly remarkable. Um, and so many films have borrowed from that yeah. particular scene as well and yeah. modeled things after that. Right. Yeah. The opening of the dark night um, with Christopher Nolan took a ton of inspiration from Michael Mann and that heat uh, bank, bank high sequence. So, um, Heat's got to be on the uh, Michael Mann essentials list. Um, and then you want to talk about Ali a little bit? Yeah, I, I, Ali is one of those that I think gets kind of lost under the radar uh, with Will Smith starring as uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, beautiful uh, filmmaking, uh, the fight scenes, the fight choreography, the lighting, the cinematography. And that's something that I don't think we can say enough positive things about is the way that Michael Mann visualizes scenes and finds a way to get his cinematographers to capture those. And there are some directors who are kind of hands off. They kind of look at their cinematographer and say, hey, I'm going to let you do your thing. Here's what I've got in mind. But Michael Mann is very hands on in that, but he's continued to work with those who know him and they know what he wants and they can work with his style of directing and they they do almost become one and you definitely see that uh, in Ali and I, I really think more people need to go back and watch uh, Ali because it's it's a highly underrated film yeah and uh, you had Jamie Foxx had a, had a had a role in Ali 
then a couple of years later, he came back to work with Michael Mann again for Collateral with uh, Tom Cruise. Um, this was just, um, it's like a, a breathless crime thriller. Um, it's one that um, you're really on the edge of your seat the entire time over the course of the two hours. And it's interesting in the fact that it's, it's extremely suspenseful, but also reflective and, um, you know, meditative and really digs into the philosophies of these characters um, and the way that it's shot. Again, uh, this was one of the first films that really um, went with digital cinematography and saw what it could do um, to make digital cinematography kind of part of the characteristic of the look and didn't try to make it look like it was shot on film, but we're like, well, we have this new technology. What can we do with it to make it um, you know, make this visual style a character in the film, basically. So that's what you have with Collateral. Um, and Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx are both brilliant. Um, it's got some of my favorite, you know, monologues and lines from any uh, Michael Mann film. And um, it's just these characters I just keep going back to time and time again. And I keep being drawn into uh, this, this world that uh, Michael Mann developed with Collateral. Yeah, it's such a, a great filmmaker, and I, I'm really uh, uh, fortunate that I got a chance to, to work with him, even though he was nuts, uh, in a good way, <laughs> in a good way. Uh, Michael Mann, uh, congratulations on uh, 40 years of making films uh, for, um, for theaters and for audiences alike. We've got about uh, two minutes to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You want to dive in real quick and give us your thoughts on where we are so far and how you're feeling with where this uh, is going. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think what we're seeing with the MCU is that they've recognized that there are certain stories that they can't tell in a two-hour runtime. So they're uh, committing like six hours, uh, like with, this is like a six-episode miniseries. Uh, you had WandaVision, which was nine episodes, about six hours in total. And uh, they're seeing what they can do to focus on character more. Um, they've always done a pretty good job focusing on character, but sometimes the spectacle has kind of outweighed that but this one seems to be more of a better balance, what we're seeing. So you have Anthony Mackie as the Falcon, Sebastian Stan as uh, James Barnes, the Winter Soldier. They both have certain traumatic events in their past um, that are weighing them down, but also very different perspectives and um, identities in the world and just how that affects their everyday life. And uh, really glad that we're seeing a really mature exploration of certain themes in the MCU that we haven't really seen this far. So. Yeah, and it's a buddy action comedy in many ways too. Their their chemistry really works well together, and uh, I, I love that. And I'm I'm enjoying it quite uh, quite uh, uh, a lot as well. So looking forward to seeing how Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, finalizes. It's what six episodes, so it's a it's a, a limited series, and uh, we're just a few in. So uh, it's it's fun, and I'll, we'll keep on watching it. Uh, we'll wrap things up with a, a movie quote of the week. This does come from Heat. Uh, it's not the uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Sandra Bullock version. This is from the Michael Mann version. I say what I mean and I do what I say. And uh, so I'm saying that I appreciate you uh, watching us right here on Meet Me the Movies or listening to us, or whatever it is you decide to do. Uh, Thomas, thanks for joining us as well. And, uh, and Greg, we're going to get you an autographed copy um, of the uh, Blu-ray when it comes out uh, with, with the extended dance remix 
of the Snyder Cut uh, for Justice League. So we're looking forward to getting that to you and getting that in your hands. Maybe, maybe Michael Bay will have, do a commentary track on there or something. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, That'd yeah. be awesome. But we do appreciate everybody uh, spending time with us. If you want to email us, info at c19.tv uh, is where you can do that. And we do appreciate you. And until next time, I'm Noel Manning for Thomas Manning for Meet Me in the Movies. That's a wrap.